Hello, and welcome to episode 605 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Evan Silva. We are the co-founders here at ETR, and we are entering peak draft season. Just about time for final calls on targets, sleepers, rankings, and yes, bus. Exciting time of year for sure. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. Just published my sleepers and bust articles for the 2023 season today we're going to be talking about our least favorite picks in every round these are not necessarily busts they're just guys that were sort of drafting around drafting around specific to each round yep agreed and as evan said we're going to go round by round here through the first nine rounds and name and debate our least favorite pick in each one of those first nine rounds honestly like i think it's more important to avoid players than to know which players to actually draft or at least equally important. Do you want to note that there is some like small miss, big hit type stuff to think about when you're doing fades or players to avoid in a round. In other words, even if Gabe Davis has another miserable year in round seven or eight, that's a small miss. He's still going to finish around wide receiver 40 or 45, even if he has a miserable year, but some of the guys we'll talk about today. Well, my God, you know, there's not much upside on their price. We don't think, and there could be some really bad, downside outcomes before we get into it here want to be clear that we give a ton of context in articles and on this podcast but the most important thing that we do where we have a massive team working on getting every little thing right is our rankings our rankings are not some free list you find on the internet we have everyone from data scientists to professional dfs players to working on the inputs that go into the ranks we are constantly adjusting them for news and the market so if you have an important fantasy draft coming up be sure to check out our draft kit. And if you're going to play DFS this season, the bundle is by far your best option. Check that out on establishedrun.com forward slash subscribe. Also, wanted to give a shout out to our friend JJ Zacharyson's podcast, The Late Round Fantasy Football Pod. I honestly don't listen to or recommend many other fantasy football podcasts, but if you like our pod, I suspect you'll like JJ's as well. He's really good at reviewing historical data, conveying how it applies to this season, especially for season-long formats. Episodes are focused and quick. So if you're looking to add another podcast to your rotation, search Late Round Pod wherever podcasts are found. All right, Evan. Let's start with round one here. I'll go first. I don't have necessarily a fade on anyone in round one. I actually think everyone in round one is reasonably solid. But the one that actually scares me the most is Austin Eckler. 28 years old now, coming off back-to-back seasons with outrageously high touchdown rates and outrageously high target rates. There's a change. I mean, enter Kellen Moore, enter Quentin Johnston. And also we have Keenan Allen and Big Mike Williams healthy at the same time. When all those guys are out there, Eckler's target share obviously takes a bit of a hit. And I expect Kellen Moore to actually push Justin Herbert toward fewer checkdowns and more aggression. Quentin Johnston's going to steal some targets too. You know, possibly a little boost for Gerald Everett under Kellen Moore. So the opportunity for Eckler, I think, is shrinking a little bit as he enters his age 28 season. I think Eckler's going to be fine given the how high value touch projection catches touches inside the 20, but it's just a bit scary for me. I feel pretty good about the rest of the round one guys. So I'm fine with Eckler. I usually take him in that seven, eight range, the back of that first tier, but I pass on him for other guys in the four five, six spot, which means I probably have a little bit less Eckler than everyone else. Evan, what do you think about that? Any Eckler thoughts? And then your round one fade. Well, I think that, I mean, I really like Austin Eckler because he's locked in as the feature back in 
one of the the best offenses in the league, or at least an offense that I expect to be, you know, potentially top five this year. Love their offensive line. All those players are going to eat into each other's touches at the end of the day, but also at the end of the day, like Austin Eckler, who has led the NFL in in all-purpose touchdowns in back-to-back season, he's going to get in the end zone a lot. Yeah, so, and I, yeah. I totally agree. There's like no competition behind him. I mean, they have been right. they have been irresponsible getting Austin Eckler help behind him. The players they have for the last few years behind them are so so bad. Yeah, so yeah I'm not worried about about that usage thing at all. Right. Um, I feel good about. I would say almost everybody that I have ranked in the top twenty or so. So I'm going to name guys that I really like. I'm just below market on them. I'm going to name two guys in the first round. Travis Kelsey, I just think, goes a little bit too early for a player who's t- turning 34 years old this season. My my tentative expectation is that he's going to come out the gates really hot. But then as the season progresses, these young ascending receivers that they have in Kansas City, Sky Moore, I think, has some breakout potential. Uh, I like what I've heard about Rushy Rice coming out of Chiefs camp. Chiefs traded up for him in the second round. Kadarius Toney eventually is going to get healthy and take manufactured touches I have Kelsey as a first-round pick, but I have him towards the back end of the first round as opposed to where he goes routinely in the middle to early part of the first round. My other guy is B. John Robinson, who I have as a second-round pick. I have concerns about the Falcons' offense as an entity. How many touchdowns are they going to score? I have concerns that um, Tyler Algier is going to get a lot more work than anticipated. He's one of my favorite late-round picks. Cordero Patterson just got hurt and is questionable for week one, but I think that once he gets healthy, he will be incorporated. I don't know what to think about Desmond Ritter. Um, Dinkmeyer made a very interesting comparison to to him, from him to uh, Dak Prescott, who was a fourth-round pick. Desmond Ritter was a third-round pick. These are just guys that I think are going to have really good seasons. I mean, I think B. John Robinson is going to be the offensive rookie of the year. I think that Travis – I have Travis Kelsey in his own tier among tight ends. It's just when I'm drafting in the first round – these are guys that I tend to draft around. You can go back and listen to our round one player by player pod. Uh, the pushback I have for Evan on Travis Kelsey specifically, and obviously I understand the age concerns. Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 4,000, 4,500 yards and a ton of touchdowns. I think I'm lower than Evan is on these wide receivers they have. Like, I, I just don't see it for most of these wide receivers breaking out. And so if Patrick Mahomes is going to go throw, for 4,500 yards and a ton of touchdowns, it almost has to come through Kelsey, right? And so that I, I'm still okay with Kelsey there on the Bijan stuff. I agree with you that Algier is going to play more than people want, but the Falcons are going to have so many running back touches that Bijan's still going to get 20. Like even if Algier steals 8, 9, 10 a game, Bijan's still going to get 20 plus because this team is going to have so many running back touches to go around. I also think this team's going to be good. You know, I have, I have more faith in the Falcons as a team. Arthur Smith, hopefully coach of the year for my bags, but uh, I think Arthur Smith's going to do a good job and they're going to win a bunch of games. So I feel pretty good about Bijan as well. Again, we're definitely picking, nitpicking here in the first round. All right, round two, it starts to get a bit more interesting. Mine is Jonathan Taylor. And by the time pe- people do home drafts, I think that Jonathan Taylor will likely be back in camp. This isn't really a thing for me about the holdout. It's not great. It's not a great feeling. But I, this, to me, my Jonathan Taylor fate is not about the holdout. JT never had a great pass game role with any quarterback, even quarterbacks who check down a lot like Phil Rivers and Matt Ryan. I mean, the Colts consistently take JT off the field 
in these clear passing situations. JT has been somewhat reliant on touchdowns. And, and so look, he's an awesome runner. I mean, a really, really incredible running back. But with Anthony Richardson, the pass game projection on JT is just total dust. And we know at the goal line, Shane Steichen is going to run the tush push with Anthony Richardson a lot. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, they're not tush pushing. And then on top of that, we have team level concerns. I mean, I think the offensive line is shaky now. Anthony Richardson could be good or he could be really, really bad from a real life perspective. It could be a really bad scoring environment. And then on top of that, we have all the contract stuff. So let's say he comes back and he takes some like Saquon-esque one year, a little bit of money. You know, they give him a 500,000, a million bucks guaranteed extra on top just to to uh, squash the situation. Are we sure he's going to push through an injury at the end of the year? Like he's pissed, man. You know, he's pissed. They went public with it. If I was him and it was week 10 and I pulled my hamstring and they didn't really pay me, I don't know that I'm fighting through it per se, especially if my team is three and seven. So I think there's a lot of flags around JT on field and with the off field stuff. So round two, JT would be the guy that I am not taking. Any thoughts on that, Evan? And then your round two guy that you're avoiding. He was also my pick to avoid in the second round. I would add that there are at least, there's at least some lingering concern about his ankle, which he continually aggravated last season. Um, because I saw that you had picked Jonathan Taylor for the second round, I picked my own guy, and that was Derrick Henry. And I would say we've had a lot of success over the years knowing when to fade Derrick Henry and when to not fade Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is now 29 years old. The mileage on this dude is, I mean, it's really concerning. I mean, you even go back to his his career at Alabama, and I mean, they were just feeding him carries under Nick Saban. We're at like a like 10 years now where this dude has just had massive workloads. The passing game has never really been a big part of his game. Um, and then the offensive line, which Brandon Thorne ranked worst in the NFL, just lost a starter in Jamarco Jones. So I'm putting the fade back on Derrick Henry. Didn't fade him last year, faded him the year before, got that right, although it was it was because yeah. he got injured. Um, but you know what? As the as the mileage piles up, the injury risk I think in, increases, and as he gets older, yeah, I, I think when it gets to the back back of round two, and it's half PPR, I still am willing to take Derrick Henry in full PPR earlier in the second round. I, I've just been out on him, so when he slides in half PPR, I am okay with it. Just on the fact that we saw the DeAndre Hopkins trade, this team is all in to win with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. This year, um, it's hard at that two, three turn. And sometimes Derrick Henry, especially in, in half PPR, I think is okay. But yeah, certainly a scary pick this year. Round three for me is Amari Cooper. I, I thought Amari Cooper had arguably the best year of his career in 2022. And I know Matt Harmon thought kind of similarly. You guys can go back and listen to that pod. Amari Cooper was incredible last year and still only finished as the wide receiver 16 in fantasy points per game. Now he's going off the board as the wide receiver 17. Obviously, people are more optimistic about Deshaun Watson than they were about Jacoby Brissett. I just don't see a lot of room for Mark Cooper to smash this round three price tag. I know Ben Gretsch has talked about this. Elijah Moore is there. And I agree that Deshaun Watson is an upgrade, but I'm far from certain he'll regain his old form. Camp reports have not been great on Deshaun Watson. Also, I would note Amari Cooper and the Browns have to face the Jets 
one of the be- NFL's best defenses and secondaries in week 17. Obviously, that's where most of the money is in fantasy. I also note Derrick Henry gets to face the Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, and all this assumes that Amari is able to sustain his level of play from last year. He's 29 now around the age we start to see wide receivers hit a little bit of a wall. So, you know, I think there's enough concerns and probably not enough upside for me in round three to take Amari. It's just a steep, steep tag for him, in my opinion. Any thoughts there, Evan? And then your round three guy you're avoiding. Yeah, I like Amari Cooper this year, but I agree. I would probably not take him in the third round. So if he falls to the fourth, I'm willing to look at him. Yep. Um, he was the main. He was the go-to guy for Deshaun Watson when he was in last year. I, it, it it's getting to the point though with the camp reports that Deshaun Watson has not been practicing well. Where I'm, I, I need to start baking in in some concern. I think that uh, I'm going to pull Deshaun Watson down a tier. Not necessarily change his ranking, but pull him down a tier. Just because, look, this guy has not played in a, in, you know, he's not played well in a really long right. time. I mean, okay. He he, yeah. he also, I would note, it's not a good sign. He went on Twitter and some one Eagles beat reporter said like, oh, Deshaun Watson was bad today. And Deshaun Watson quote mm-hmm. tweeted it like, no, that's a lie or cap or whatever, whatever he said. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, you don't have to go on Twitter and like quote tweet beat writers. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's crazy. He's, he's kind of a thin skinned guy. He's a guy yeah. that really didn't face like a ton of adversity was highly praised. You remember D- D- Dabo Swinney compared him to Michael Jordan or something yeah. like he was loved. All of a sudden he faces a ton of adversity because, you know, deservedly so probably. And I don't think, I think he's kind of not handled it very well. Anyways, yeah. my round three fade is Travis Etienne. Um and it's the Tank Bigsby concern. It's the fact that right after the draft, the Jaguars the Jaguars openly explained that they were not satisfied with their short yardage and, and red zone execution last season. And I think that that – and then we saw Tank Bigsby get his uh, repetition in the first preseason game in, on third and one. Mm-hmm. So I think that Travis Etienne faces legitimate risk of losing short yardage and goal line. And also um, he hasn't been, he's been a disappointment in the passing game. So, and, and Tank Bigsby can play in the passing game. So I, I think, I just, I, I think that Travis Etienne is going to have a good year. He's that, that full season removed from the Liz Frank. I, I like the, uh, the trajectory of the Jaguars offense. It's just these high value touches are critical. And I don't think that Travis Etienne can smash without them. I do think that once he gets to the fourth round, I will consider him. Yes. This has been a hard one for me, man. I've gone back and forth on on Travis Etienne because I thought he was awesome last year, actually, as a runner. Like, he was, like, legit explosive, one of the most uh, efficient and explosive running backs in the league. And this offense is ascending. It's hard to square that with him coming off the field for Jermichael Hasty in pass downs, him coming off the field for Tank Bigsby in third and one. And so, obviously, if you lose those two facets it's hard to smash like Evan said you're not going to be like a top 10 running back without that stuff however it's somewhat small sample I could see him earning more I think the tank Bigsby stuff I think he's good but who knows he's not nowhere near the prospect that Travis Etienne was so I've gone back and forth in this for sure in the fourth round I'm at least considering Travis Etienne agree with you in round three Etienne would be a pass uh what is that hat that you're wearing you know what it, it reminds me of is um 
You know, in Sandlot, uh, when Smalls has that uh, that tan, like long hat, and then Benny t- Benny grabs it and um, gives him one of his own. He tells him to uh, throw that one in the fire. To, to- Shout out to Courtney Buckalter, my cousin. This is a hat from her party. She's real into Nike. Shout out to her. Oh. She gave me this. Oh God! Now I feel really bad. <laughs> Yo, Luke, can we can we delete that? I, I, no, I, I, no, 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 no. I was no. just joking. Okay, I was. We're, we're not deleting. We never delete. God, hashtag okay. hashtag never delete. Okay, round four. My fade. The guy. I actually don't think I've clicked once, which is you know somewhat scary. But the guy that I am fading in round four is DJ Moore. I don't buy these. Mm. AJ Brown is to Jalen Hurts as DJ Moore is to Justin Fields comps, right? Before Jalen Hurts' breakout year, he had already shown way more as a thrower than Justin Fields has at the NFL level. And as much as I think DJ Moore is good, to me, he's not in the same range as A.J. Brown as a player. So yeah, you saw what happened preseason week one, right? A little bubble screen to DJ Moore, poorly thrown ball from Fields. He goes down and gets it, goes for a 62-yard touchdown. That DJ Moore is awesome in yards after catch. I, I love that play. I, I, you know, I don't view that as like a negative for Fields or more, but I still expect the Bears to be among the league's worst in pass attempts, worst in pass rate over expectation, worst in completion percentage. Expect Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, Roshan Johnson to all be really efficient in the run game. And so it's such a small pie of passes. I do think Darnell Mooney can play. Cole Komet got paid. They have Claypool. There's just not a lot of room for error on DJ Moore in round four. And maybe I'm underestimating Justin Fields' chances of breaking out as a thrower. And that's possible. But if I lose because of that on DJ Moore, I'm willing to accept that. So DJ Moore for me in round four is the guy I've been avoiding. All right. I I get that one. I mean, you're you're betting – when you are betting on DJ Moore, you are essentially betting on a player that you know is not going to contend for 130, 140 targets. I mean – 110 to 120 would be really good for DJ Moore. And there are guys up that Demonte Adams had 180 targets yeah. last year. You know what I mean? So you're you're betting almost purely on efficiency. I do like the camp reports mm-hmm. on Justin Fields and DJ Moore's chemistry. I mean, I I, I get it. I, I like DJ Moore more than you, obviously, but I, I totally get the 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 bear case on DJ Moore. I'm fading Brees Hall in the fourth round. And he's still going around the third, fourth turn. So he's going early in the fourth round when he does go in the fourth round. And I just think that there are just too many red flags, too many signals that it's like the Jets are screaming at us that he's not really going to be right until weeks five or six. And I want my third and fourth round player to be locked in startable in the first month of the season I do think Brees Hall is going to be a big-time factor in the second half of the season. But I think that Dalvin Cook is going to be the lead back. Rich Samini, who's covered the Jets for as long as we've been alive, he reported that Dalvin Cook is going to be the main back to start the season. And by the way, that wasn't speculation. He cited a source there, meaning he talked to someone at the team. They said Dalvin Cook is going to be the lead back to start the season. We'll see if it plays out that way, but that wasn't just wild speculation. He actually reported that from a source. The flirtations with Jameer Gibbs, with Jamal Williams, you know, uh, drafting uh, is Izzy Abinaconda in the fifth round. Um, and then finally s- signing Dalvin Cook to, a, I mean, starter money. Yeah. that That's too many red flags for me who's, for a player who is still going at the third, fourth turn. I think he belongs in the fifth and sixth. So 
Brees Hall today, we're recording this on Thursday. Brees Hall got back into practice. He was in 11 on 11 drills. They weren't tackling, but he was in 11 on 11 drills. Dalvin Cook, meanwhile, with a shoulder surgery, not expected to be there for another one to two weeks. Not a big deal, but it is what it is. I mean, the Brees Hall bet is just like, close your eyes, know that Brees Hall is a better player than Dalvin Cook, Mm -hmm. and hope that the Jets and Aaron Rodgers see it that way. I will say, Aaron Rodgers' running back production, I mean, he supported two running backs on a lot of teams in the Mm -hmm. past, and his running backs have had massive years. Mm -hmm. In Green Bay, a lot. I could see Brees catching a ton of balls for this team. He was really good as a receiver last year. I agree with Evan that Dalvin Cook is likely to start the year as the feature back. I'm not completely out on Brees, but I'm certainly scared. We talked about that a bunch on the news thing. And I'm mostly scared not on Brees. I'm scared that Aaron Rodgers was like, go pay Dalvin, whatever. Nobody else was bidding for Dalvin. I I mean, the Dolphins offered half Mm -hmm. of what the Jets offered. Rodgers was like, go get him. I mean, this is the narrative in my head, but Rodgers like, go get him. And I want to play him. That To me, that's the biggest threat to Brees is that Aaron Rodgers just goes full GM, coach, et cetera. But man, Brees' talent is awesome. I hope hope he's absolutely. Hope he's healthy. All right. Round five fade for me is an old Aaron Rodgers guy. Round five fade for me is Aaron Jones. A huge part of Aaron Jones' skill set is the pass game. The problem with that is that we're expecting a much more run-centric attack, and we simply don't know on Jordan Love, right? I just said Aaron Jones has, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been awesome for running backs in his career, checking into the right runs, checking down at the right times, getting the ball to his players in space. I don't know that Jordan Love can do that. Evan is very skeptical on Jordan Love's outlook as a quarterback. I'm a little bit higher, but I still think there's major downside. Also, Aaron Jones is going to be 29 in December. I mean, that's quite old for a running back. A.J. Dillon is ascending at age 25. So would it surprise anyone if Aaron Jones just falls off a cliff here with a a worse quarterback play, worse offense, and Aaron Jones just turns into some like veteran dust ball? I, I almost always take wide receiver or quarterback in round four, round five range, you know? like. I can pass on Aaron Jones and a few rounds later, a couple rounds later, I can get Damian Pierce, JK Dobbins, David Montgomery, James Cook. I think they have a similar range of outcomes as Aaron Jones, if not a better range of outcomes. So I'm out on Aaron Jones in round five. Any thoughts there, Evan? And then go ahead with your round five. I mean, you make a very reasonable argument uh, against Aaron Jones. I think that fifth, sixth round is probably right for him still um i mean i this is assumption of rational coaching stuff but i think that they should almost build the offense around aaron jones they need to manufacture stuff for jordan love put him in high percentage uh positions um you know christian watson has a lot of potential but is still sort of an unknown um jaden reed is a rookie Romeo Dobbs, I think we probably believe is maybe just a little bit better than just a guy. Mm-hmm. They're leaning on two rookie tight ends at the top of that depth chart. So Aaron Jones, I think, should be like this almost the centerpiece of the offense. Um, at the same time, I haven't been getting a ton of them. When I do, I when when I do have an opportunity to take them where I like them, then I like doing that. But I haven't gotten a ton of them. Um, In the fifth round, I have DeAndre Hopkins, who was an early fifth round pick. I think that he he belongs toward the back end of the fifth round or or in the sixth round. Now, Traylon Burks went down in practice on 
Wednesday. Wednesday. Today we're recording this on Thursday. And um but it it sounds it sounds like it's not too serious. LCL injury has a chance to be back for week one. I'd heard that Traylon Burks had just been destroying in camp. He changed his body. You remember last year he reported in poor condition, mm-hmm. cut 10% body fat this year, was absolutely killing it. Um, I still think that he's going I, – I still think that, like, by midseason, he could be the number one. And DeAndre Hopkins still has to build this rapport with his quarterback. And, you know, the Titans have used – draft picks on quarterbacks on day two in back-to-back years. Malik Willis looked a lot improved in the Titans' second preseason game. DeAndre Hopkins, 31, entering a, an extreme run-first environment. I don't know, he's, he's a scary pick to me. I mean, at this point in DeAndre Hopkins' career, he is not separating, and he is not separating down the field. DeAndre Hopkins has to win close to the line of scrimmage on these contested catches. We saw him do it last year incredibly well. In Arizona, he was catching seven, eight, nine balls in a game and soaking up targets. Will he be able to continue that? It's really hard way to make a living. I like buying the dip on Traylon Burks. I know that's not what we're talking about today here on Fades, but I would agree with Evan that Traylon Burks is a major threat to be the number one receiver here down the stretch. What do you think about like Christian Watson and Drake London versus DeAndre Hopkins? Evan, who do you like between London, Christian Watson, DeAndre Hopkins? I have London behind the other two. Um, I think I, I don't know. I, I, I think I have Watson and Hopkins very close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly for breakout potential for upside, it certainly would be mm-hmm. uh, Christian Watson. There's no doubt. All right. Round six. I thought about going Michael Pittman here, but I'll go Miles Sanders. I, I understand that Miles Sanders caught 50 balls under Deuce Staley as a rookie. I think that will prove to be a massive outlier for Miles Sanders' career. He's not a great pass catcher, like period, as evidenced by never topping 28 catches in any of the following three years after that rookie year. And and not to take anything away from his running talent, but anyone will look awesome running behind the Eagles' dominant offensive line with Jalen Hurts pulling defenders and rushing lanes to him. It's going to be a rude awakening for Miles Sanders going from that rushing environment and that scoring environment in Philly to the environment in Carolina. Offensive line issues, you know, we'll see on Bryce Young. It could be really messy for the Panthers offense. And I'm not sure that Miles Sanders creates on his own. So I've been out on Miles Sanders. Certainly prefer, if I'm going RB in that range in round six, um, I which I rarely do. But if I do, I prefer Damian Pierce. I prefer J.K. Dobbins for me over Miles Sanders. Evan, any thoughts there, anything, and then go ahead with your uh, round six fade. Yeah, and this groin injury for Miles Sanders, I I think, is a significant concern. looks like he's not going to play at all in the preseason. He doesn't have a clean injury history, especially when it comes to nagging soft tissue stuff. I wouldn't take him in the sixth either. I'd need him to fall to the seventh. I have in the sixth round fade Javante Williams, who is coming off an ACL PCL and LCL tear and I think is is going to be a committee back at best alongside Samaj P Ryan who's a player that you know he's one of these running backs that running that coaches trust because he does everything he's not great in any area but he does everything relatively well and they can trust him so even in a best case scenario and I don't think that Javante Williams is going to get to that best case scenario because 
this injury is probably going to be something that haunts him for most of the season. Even in the best case scenario, he's going to be a committee back in a suspect offense that is still quarterbacked by Russell Wilson, who, by the way, continued to play poorly in Denver's first preseason game. The camp reports haven't been great on Russell Wilson. Yeah. Javante Williams, to be clear, is practicing, which is absolutely mm-hmm. shocking to me. You can go back and listen to the Stefania Bell podcast where we talked about exactly how severe this injury was. Is Javante Williams the massive outlier that Adrian Peterson was who came back one year after his ACL tear and was incredible? I'm always willing to bet against these outrageous outliers. So yeah, I, I haven't been taking Javante Williams at all either. Round seven guy I have not been taking is James Conner. Early season projectable volume, to me, one of the biggest traps that fantasy players fall into. Like, yes, I think James Conner will touch the ball 20 times in week one. Yes, in theory, that makes him a good round seven pick. But in this offense, with this talent around him, especially until Kyler Murray gets back, the efficiency, the touchdown opportunities are going to be brutal. And this guy, James Conner, has already been so nicked up and hurt throughout his career. When the Cardinals are three and nine, three and 10, they're tanking for Caleb Williams. They need to get looks at younger guys. Are we sure that projectable volume will be there? And by the way, they have to play the Eagles, which could have an awesome defense this year in week 17. So David Montgomery, James Cook, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, they all go in this range around James Conner also. I don't think you have to force it just for the September volume on James Conner. So I am out on him. Yeah. James Conner was going to be my round seven guy as well. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't want to invest in this offense almost whatsoever. Maybe if, when Marquise Brown falls, maybe when Trey McBride really falls as like a tight end two slash three, other than that, no, thank you. Um, so I agreed with you on that. So I saw that you, you were going to go with James Conner as your round seven fade. So I'm going with Michael Pittman. As my round seven fade, you know, Michael Pittman caught 99 balls last year. He averaged 9.4 yards per reception. This passing offense is not going to have a lot of volume. I don't think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns in Indianapolis this year. Um, and I don't I don't know what to think of Anthony Richardson as a thrower. I would lean toward him being highly inefficient yeah. as a passer. He's going to do dynamic things, but he's going to be highly inefficient as a passer. So I think that Michael Pittman although I think he's a a nice big possession receiver, isn't going to get anywhere near 99 catches this year. I think that if he gets to 70, it would be a nice accomplishment. And I don't think he's going to make a a bunch of plays downfield or anything like that either. I just, this offense looks like it could be, it's going to be a rough ride. He's just not that great of a player, right? He's not going to elevate, I think, massively. I think he's fine, but he's not going to elevate massively like an A.J. Brown could for someone else. I'm also out on Michael Pittman. Two more rounds to go here. We are into round eight, guys, that we are avoiding. Round eight avoid for me is Michael Thomas. I actually struggled here. I like a lot of the round eight options. You know, I think Cortland Sutton is sneaky. No one wants him. Uh, Brandon Cooks goes around here who I like. Elijah Moore, Pacheco, Kamara, Tua. I I think there's a lot to like in round eight. Michael Thomas, I I don't feel as strong as I did last year when I had a mega, mega fade on Michael Thomas at a higher cost. But this year, we're talking about a 30-year-old wide receiver who has not been good since 2019. Literally. Literally has not been good since 2019. He's only played in 10 games since 2019. And when he was last good, Michael Thomas, guess who his quarterback was? 
Drew Brees, literally the perfect quarterback for him. I mean, Drew Brees was unreal, accurate, and efficient at those short slants where Michael Thomas wins. With any other quarterback, are we sure Thomas is actually elite? So I do think Michael Thomas fits better with Derek Carr than he did with Jameis Winston, but I don't consider Derek Carr like a Breeze type fit. And we know they have Chris Olave as the number one now, the alpha unreal profile on Chris Olave. I like Rashid Shahid, the speed guy. They have a ton of tight ends that can play. Kamara will be back in the pass catching role after three games. So it's just a way different setup for Michael Thomas. I've been mostly out on him in round eight. Evan, any thoughts on Michael Thomas? And then go ahead with your round eight avoid. I think that round eight is the range where I'm willing to draft him. But I mean, I share almost all of your concerns. Juwan Johnson looks like an absolute beast this year. Um, and I love the way that he talked about his, I, I'm going off topic, but I, I love the way that Juwan Johnson talked about his chemistry and rapport with Derek Carr. Juwan Johnson should be going earlier in drafts. Um, it's like, Juwan Johnson was like, it's like we're, we're brothers. Like we grew up together. Our, our on-field chemistry is just impeccable. And I, I love to hear that kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, he, and he's clearly an ascending player. He made a bunch of big plays, some a bunch of them in garbage time last year, but he's got big playability for sure. In round eight, I have AJ Dillon as a fade. And that's because I am not confident in the Packers offense. And I think that he is reliant on the Packers playing highly productive offense. And um, again, you know, we talked about it with the Aaron Jones thing. I think the Aaron Jones should be, and again, assumption of rational coaching, Aaron Jones should be the clear lead back for Green Bay and A.J. Dillon should just be the big back change of pace. Yeah, I mean, you guys know, I just talked about I had the fade on Aaron Jones, which means naturally I feel a little bit better about A.J. Dillon, where he goes, I think the gap is probably a little bit too wide for me. But yeah, I, I totally agree with Evan. If you think this offense is going to be centered around Aaron Jones and not be that efficient, well, that's going to be a struggle for A.J. Dillon. All right, last round here. We're going to do round nine. Round nine fade for me is Kadarius Tony. I honestly wish he hadn't sustained that injury, that partial tear of his meniscus on the first day of training camp. Because at that point, Kadarius Tony was going absurdly high, like round six or round seven. And while I think that the Chiefs will use Kadarius Tony on a bunch of gadgety manufactured type stuff, I'm real skeptical skeptical about Tony as an actual NFL wide receiver. Giants coaches could not take him. Like they were on mega tilt. He's sending DMs to like Giants fans, cursing them out. I don't know. Something just seems off with Kadarius Tony. And so I, I'm quite certain that Kansas City is going to use a heavy, heavy rotation at wide receiver with MVS and Sky Moore playing the most. But Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice, Richie James, Kadarius Tony, they're all going to play. And that doesn't even count Justin Ross, who, who might play also if he makes the team. And so I don't know, man. I just think like round nine is high for me for a gadgety guy. I know there's upside here because he's a freak talent and he has Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But yeah, I, I think that there's just enough flags here for me to avoid Tony in this massive Chiefs wide receiver rotation. Evan, last one here, round nine. I've still been taking some Tony in best ball, but I really don't want any of them in redraft season long. So I'm with you there, putting the fate in this. I mean, we're, we're transitioning to full on yes. season long right now. Um, I have Kirk Cousins, and I actually think that Kirk Cousins is going to have a really nice season. I think the Vikings are going to have to throw the ball a lot. 
first full season of TJ Hawkinson. Justin Jefferson is the consensus 1.01. He was a first-round pick on Jordan Addison. I like how their offensive line is shaping up. Their defense could be one of the worst in the league, I believe. Uh, they they might not finish as one of the worst in the league because they, they, they have Brian Flores. Um, but I just think he's going to blitz to high heaven and to have, to have to make up for their lack of pass rush and their extremely youthful and inexperienced secondary. And um, that's going to result in a lot of like big plays allowed. So, and they play indoors. So I think they're, I just built like a, a, a bull case for Kirk Cousins. But yeah. really though, Kirk Cousins, he doesn't run. Even in his best seasons, he's been like the quarterback eight or nine um, he will finish, I think, as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. But I just think I just think he doesn't give you quite enough upside over the course of the season to draft in the single digit rounds. Um, so Kirk Cousins never like breaks you, right? Like if you pass on Kirk Cousins in round nine, like he's never going to finish as the quarterback one, two, three or something like that. He just can't compete with the guys who run mm-hmm. also. But Man, I mean, this guy can is going to have to throw the ball so, so, so many times this year. Last year, he was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He was the quarterback eleven last year, and I thought he's actually uh, in points per game. And I actually thought he was had a pretty good year. So you know, it's like it's really hard to compete with the guys that run and throw. Obviously, you're never going to get buried by putting a Kirk Cousin fade on. That's for sure. All right. This was a good exercise. Hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did thinking through some players that we are avoiding in rounds one through nine. Been a super busy week on the podcast. Next week on the podcast coming up will be how to draft from certain positions. And also we will get be getting to our positional breakdown, sleepers, busts, and strategy for each position as well. Again, the peak of draft season. Be sure you're following me at Adam Levitan. Evan at Evan Silva at Establish the Run on Twitter. And if you have a draft coming up, I promise that our draft kit is absolutely overflowing with the information you need to win. Check it out, establishtherun.com forward slash subscribe. Four, Evan. Oh, one more thing. College football starts next week, man. And we're covering college football for the first time. Week zero games are already posted on DK and FanDuel. And so if you guys are interested in the college football for this year, again, we're covering it for the first time. Really excited about it. Check out the college football tab at the top of the site. For Evan, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.